Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. Let's focus on the miracle of adoption and the miracles within adoption. According to Dictionary.com, the definition of a miracle is an effect or extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. Such an effect or event manifesting or considered as a work of God, a wonder, a marvel, a wonderful or surpassing example of some quality. So working in the adoption world for almost 16 years and living in it for 47, I have seen miracles. Ones that I myself may not believe if I didn't have the documentation or see it for myself. Uh, sometimes miracles may not be miraculous for a person not involved in the miracle, mm-hmm. but sometimes something so amazing happens, it's just too life-changing to forget. So I'm going to share some stories of real people, um, but I'm going to change any identifying information as to respect their privacy. I right. want to make sure that they can... Um, maintain their privacy and not be, yeah, not be out there. As it were, right. Right. So one of the first ones that was really a miracle, I mean, really a miracle. We had a couple uh, that came to us and they were about four and a half months pregnant with twins. And the birth mother had to have her ovaries removed when she was in her early early, early twenties. I think she was now like 23 or 24 and she had both ovaries removed and therefore she could not get pregnant. Um, so fast forward a couple years and she is having a lot of stomach issues and her stomach is getting bigger and it's getting hard and she's not understanding what's going on. And so they go, they take her in for an ultrasound and they say, you're pregnant with fraternal twins. So there's two sacks, which wow. means two eggs. Without ovaries. So as we know, without ovaries. So as we know that eggs are in the ovaries, mm-hmm. right? So she not only gets pregnant, but she gets pregnant with by two eggs. So she's got two babies, two sacks. And when... Uh, when the ultrasound tech was scanning her, she said both she and her boyfriend were blown away. Um, she said that they, they're, that's impossible as a lady scanning her. She said that's impossible because I had my ovaries removed and the ultrasound tech is, is saying, well, 
there's baby A and there's baby B. <laughs> and what they surmised must have happened. And I don't know how this works. I'm not a doctor, but maybe some of the eggs were floating around somehow in her and they both happened to connect at the same time. And she, anyway, she gave birth to uh, fraternal twins. And uh, because they had not believed that they could get pregnant, they had established their lives and their future and what that was going to look like and had decided they didn't want children. And, you know, they were going to, you know, move on with their life plan. And so they became an incredible blessing for an adoptive family. But the fact that these babies were created like this, again, I wouldn't believe it had I not seen the medical records. Right. It I is would an have said, oh, absolute God, example of a miracle, especially by the definition I just read. Right. Right. And the fact that fraternal twins, two of them at the same time, it's just... I mean, I've heard story after story of, you know, birth control failures. I've heard, um, I've had, I had one woman who had, uh, her tubes tied and mm -hmm. they untied and, you know, she was the 1%. Right. Uh, but that's, but, you know, no. if you don't get it cauterized, I guess, then there's that, that 1% chance. And she was the 1%. Wow. Um, so, but this, this was a miracle. I mean, this was a, I mean, every birth in my mind is a miracle, but this was astounding. I mean, mm -hmm. in my opinion, those babies are going to go and do something great. You know, Pulitzer Prize winners, they're going to um, help create world peace, find a cure <laughs> for the common cold. I mean, they're going to do something amazing right. because they're supposed to be here. Well, that brings up something interesting. Have, have you kept in touch with this adoptive family and even the birth mother? Have you? Um, the birth mother, no. She has since faded away. And okay. last time I saw them, I'm not even sure they're still in the state because they actually ironically um, lived in Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, I actually bumped into them um, at a voting. At the polls. Um, but no, that was, that was a while ago. So no, I haven't seen them since. How old would these kids be now? I would say be between seven and 10. Okay. Now by what you said just a little bit ago, uh -huh. that is a lot of pressure <laughs> to, to, wow, I better make something special of my life or boy, I've really let some people down like Kelly. <laughs> so if you're listening, no pressure, but we do expect big things. Isn't that amazing, though? It what is a miracle. incredible. It, it, yeah, just an absolute miracle. Another favorite story of mine, and um, this is one that that really touches me because it it's one of those they say, "Oh, all the stars aligned," and it just happened. So we had a family that um, unfortunately had had a disruption. They were a younger couple um, financially. They were, you know, struggling after they had you know, had the disruption and they were like any other adoptive family, just crushed, just devastated. You know, it got all the way to the end and they were really, really struggling. And they said, you know, we don't know that emotionally we can really go through another pregnancy like this. I and mean, we've already struggled with, you know, fertility and, and so forth. And ironically, again, a miracle happens and uh, we have safe haven laws in Arizona. So um, safe haven laws are where you can take a newborn and to a designated safe haven location and leave the baby 
with a safe haven provider and walk away anonymously and there's no repercussions or anything else. And uh, so as an agency, we are on a rotating list of providers that get calls when there's a safe haven baby to go pick up the baby. So it's, it's December. I won't say what year, but it's December mm-hmm. and uh, we get the phone calls. So I drive over to pick up the baby and it's a beautiful, healthy, um, she was tiny. She was in the five pound range, uh, baby girl and newborn. And, uh, I, you know, I, we, when you get the call, you have to go right then sometimes if they're discharging and pick her up. So I, I picked her up and I was talking with our match coordinator and with our adoptive parent case manager supervisor. And they, uh, <clears throat> they were going through the, the list of families to figure out which, you know, family wanted, was interested in this baby. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as we are going through the list and we're getting medical records because they did a full check on the baby at the hospital to make sure the baby was healthy and fine. I, I had said, you know, so close to Christmas and this baby is just beautiful. I said, since she doesn't have a name, I'm going to call her Noel because it was close to Christmas. Certainly the holiday. And right. the uh, case manager for the adoptive family said, what did you say? And I said, I'm going to name her Noel. Just not just temporarily, like not officially. And she goes, that's what the nurse named her. And I, and I said, what? And she said, that's what the nurse named her. And I thought, okay. All right. So, um, we had, we had her and the, uh, adoptive family was so, uh, the one that had this disruption was so excited um, that they were able then to come out within the next 24 hours and pick up their their baby girl and uh, just darling. She's beautiful, healthy. I got to see her about seven, eight months afterwards uh, when we flew to the state that she resides in. And I have to say, it brought tears to my eyes that they kept Noelle as her middle name. Oh. So that was just, I thought that was really, really a cool story. That is so. touching. Thank you. Thanks for sharing yeah. that with everybody. Yeah. Um, so the next one is actually not about uh, a newborn. It is when we first started the agency, we were doing international adoptions and then domestic adoptions, the newborn program. And we had a family that came to us and they said, Hey, we found two boys in another state and we would like to adopt them. And I said, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. We don't really, we don't have that, you know, that type of a program. And they said, no, 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 this is what we want to do. And I said, okay, well, we don't really do do that. Yeah. And he said, we'll figure it out. And I remember thinking, (laughs) okay. So um, Angie, the other founder and I um, put our heads together and thought, well, I mean, I guess it's doable. Let's look into this. Right. So we looked into it. Uh, we contacted the caseworker uh, in the other state who had the two. I mean, they were set on these two boys, these two boys. And the caseworker approved their home study. Uh, they got the required classes. They flew out to the state, um, met the children, fell in love with them, and came back and looked to us and said, okay, let's keep going. And 
um, that was actually the beginning of our interstate family forever program. Wow. It so was something that we said, okay, we're going to start this. It was something we were told we were going to start. And, <laughs> and since then, you know, many, many, many children have come home from other States through this program because of this one persistent adoptive father who just said, who, you're doing this. <laughs> Figure it out. You're doing it. You're going to help me yes. to get this. You're going to facilitate this. And now it's become a program. That's fantastic. I came home and it, and it worked. Uh. It was just, yeah. Um, and I think it's a miracle because this wasn't something on our radar. You know, right. I mean, this wasn't... wasn't something, this was, we were, our agency was very new. And mm-hmm. when I say it, it, I couldn't even say it fell in our lap. I would say it was dropped in our lap and then told us to do something with it. So, I mean, there was some reason, and because of him, so many children have exited the foster care system and gone into forever families because of what he did. So. So that is absolutely a miracle. Yes. I mean, it's not having twins without ovaries, but it is a miracle because it has changed so many lives for the better. So good job for you guys for, because a lot of times I think we look at situations like that and say, it's not our forte. We're not going to continue with that. You know, you're on your own. Good luck. But instead, you almost took it as a challenge and made it something right. incredible for other families. So good yeah. job. And other children. And, and other children. So the next one is, is a story of a birth mother. And uh, this birth mother was with us the majority of her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And she did not have any family support. They were very anti-adoption. They wanted her to keep the child. Uh, she knew that uh, Child Protective Services was going to get involved. They had been involved with some other children. And she absolutely wanted to place this baby with the adoptive family that she chose. And she was very torn in the sense that her family was very against this. And so you know, as a mother, you know, what is best for your baby. And yet you don't want to disappoint your own mother. And so she's really, this internal struggle was really hard for her. And she was dead set on her adoption plan. And about two weeks before she gave birth, she left the state and went to another state. When I explained to her that in order to do the adoption, really, without having to get all kinds of attorneys involved. And it it gets really messy when this kind of thing happens. We really have to have her in Arizona to sign paperwork. In other words, she, you have to go through a whole interstate compact placement. I mean, it can be, there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of people get involved. And I, I really was hoping that she would come back to Arizona before she delivered. And she said, no, I can't. And I said, okay. And she, uh, she said, Tell the family, I got this. And I thought, okay, I watched something that I have never seen. So what this, what this woman did was she had the baby in another state. She had the adoptive family fly into the state that she was in. And we also flew out a caseworker because we had to have somebody present. They rented a minivan. Uh, she left the hospital with the baby. She 
drove all four, five of them, six of them with a baby, drove in a minivan back to Arizona. She is caring for the baby the entire time. She is uh, in the minivan. She's holding the baby and talking to the baby. They'd pull over to a rest stop. We don't recommend breastfeeding because it's a bonding. She's breastfeeding the baby. She is, um, you know, the adoptive family is looking at the caseworker like, is this really going to happen? Like, this is, you know, she seems pretty, you know, pretty attached. Like, she's, you know, a good mom with this baby. And right. and we, you know, that we, we don't ever guarantee anything. So we're saying, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And they, they stop um, when it, they get closer to our office and uh, it, it has now been the 72 hours since the baby was born. Um, she has the baby in her care and custody. And when they get to our office, uh, she says, okay, I'm ready to sign the paperwork. So she signs the paperwork. She kisses the baby. She hands the baby to the adoptive family and she goes home. When I asked her afterwards, I said, why, why did you leave the state and, and do this? And she said, I knew that I, that adoption was the best choice for my child. I knew that I knew my family would never accept me or forgive me if I placed my baby for adoption. Mm -hmm. So I had to tell them that the baby didn't make it so that my baby could have the life that I wanted my baby to have. That is powerful. I mean, such a heartbreaking situation. We, like you say before, we always want to see that supportive family, but for her to be that determined to she make this happen, it's incredible. And like you say, to breastfeed all the way over from the other state to here, that is quite a story. Thank you. Yes, that wow. one I will never forget as long as I live. That one was the most determined woman I have seen. I mean, she, I hope one day somebody makes a movie about her because that, that was, she was solid. Mm -hmm. She was solid in her plan and nothing was going to stop her. Well, and yet. I know how you handle challenges. Why don't you make this movie? You could be a director now. Not just no, the director of Building Arizona Families. That's you. That's you. That's your forte. Your forte is the movies. So that's all you. Oh, no. It'd be a good story for a movie. Really would. Absolutely. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you. Yes. Uh, so I'm not going to go into my whole reunification story, but I'm going to end with this story because in my mind, it was a miracle the way that this happened. So when I, the part that was a miracle was how I found my information for my birth mother. So when I decided to, um, and like I said, I've talked about this in bits and pieces in the past. When I decided it was time to, to search for her, I let my adoptive family know that I was going to start searching and they gave me the name of the adoption attorney. And I reached out to him first and said, hey, um, I, I'm interested in my file. And can I have it, please? And he said, um, I wasn't really an adoption attorney per se. I was an adopt I was an attorney, but adoptions really weren't my specialty. I worked was colleagues with the doctor that was the family practitioner that also delivered you. Where is that? Um, and 
So he called me and said, Hey, I have a 16 year old who's going to deliver any minute. Um, do you have a family that may be interested in adopting? And so I asked him, I said, may I have those records? And he said, you know what? I burned them. And I said, excuse me. And he said, I like in a bonfire, like I took my files because I'm no longer practicing by, by now, you know, he's older and he's no longer practicing. And so I guess, um, the old school is to burn them rather than to shred them. But anyway, so they were burned and I thought, Oh, okay. And so I asked him for all the information he remembered and which was next to nothing. You know, she was like 16 and her mother really wanted her to do the adoption. And she came in very late in her pregnancy. And I thought, okay. So I went, then went through, I, I sent the letter off and the petition to try to open up my file with the court. And what was interesting about that is the attorney that was, that facilitated the adoption had a daughter that lived in Arizona where I live. And he was just ironically coming out to see her in two weeks. Hmm. And yeah. And so he said, may I take you to dinner? And I thought, okay, kind of weird, but sure. sure. So then um, my adoptive mother disclosed, which I had not known this, that she had been sending Christmas cards and pictures to him every year. So he watched me grow up. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to come out and meet me and he did. And, you know, I was hoping that he was going to surprise me with some more information, but that wasn't the case. Unfortunately. Um, right. Yeah. And so it was, it was a nice dinner with him and his daughter. I mean, it was, it was nice. Uh, she was older than I was and it was, you know, it was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm proceeding with the court. I'm, I'm, you know, I get the first paperwork back from them and I could fill out another form and send that back in. And when I called to check on it, I was talking to the clerk of the court. And I said, um, do you know, she said in order to, to be able to open your file, because it was a closed adoption, your mother would have had to come in and sign a release. And that's the only way that we can do this. this. Right. And I remember thinking, I, I doubt that that happened. Like, you know what I mean? I doubt it. She was 16. I'm sure, you know, she just moved on with her life. And so I waited um, maybe two more weeks and then I couldn't wait any longer. And I called back and I said, um, can you check for me? I sent the paperwork back in. Like, is it approved? Is it? And she said, um, we had 20 requests today and you were one of seven that had a signature on the file. So we can open up your file. And I remember thinking, I don't win at anything. I don't win at the lottery. I don't win on scratcher tickets. I don't win at games. I never win. Never. But I won this time. The one that mattered. I mean, a a scratcher ticket or even the lottery, that can be life-changing. But this is amazing. Right. And so my mother had gone down. You can get your file when you, you know, I think in that state, I don't know, you have to be, I think 21, 18 or 21. Mm-hmm. And my mother had gone down when I was, I looked at the, the date, I think I was 22 and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. And she had written on the paper. Um, I have never stopped looking for you. You have two brothers and please contact me. And she'd written this. So it, if you picture a court paper, <laughs> like a formal court paper, right. well, she decided that she was just going to write a note all over the court paper. So she wrote this note on the court paper saying this. And it was amazing. 
you know what I mean? Like to me, that was just a miracle because I didn't think that I would have even been on her mind at that right. point. And in her mind, it was a miracle because after she had done that, she reached out to, here's a blast from the past, Unsolved Mysteries mm-hmm. and sent them a letter asking, you know, if they could help find me. And so she did all of this and then waited. And then when I received my original birth certificate, it took, I think about two, two or three weeks, even with the help of a private investigator that I actually found her before he did, uh, because she'd been married multiple times. And so the names kept changing and you mm-hmm. had, and on the birth certificate was her maiden name. So Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of my own miracle. Um, well, and speaking you of your story and miracles, I, it obviously brings me back to your previous story about your interstate program and how it was created basically. <laughs> but um, for instance, you even going into adoption, it's probably not a field you would have other than your adoption story as well as, and more, not more importantly, but, just as important, the Donna K. Evans Foundation would not have been started. And I think to so many people, uh, building Arizona families and the Donna K. Evans Foundation have been a miracle in their lives. So just the little tiny seeds that grow into something huge years and years later that affect so many people, you know, I I just want to commend you and your organization and all your organizations because it is amazing and you are changing lives. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623 623- 6954112 we can make an immediate appointment with you to get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information you can also find out more information about building Arizona families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines.